Welcome to The Savvy Sauce, where we have practical chats for intentional living. I'm your host, Laura Duggar, and I'm so glad you're here. Dwell is an audio Bible app our family recently discovered, and now we love it. Dwell's mission is simple, to help you get in the Word and stay in the Word. And I think that is the ultimate practical application for intentional living. Visit dwellapp.io savvy to get a 20% discount today. My guest today is the fabulously fun fashionista Sherry Brandel. Sherry is the president of Fashion Meets Faith. She's an author and a speaker. She's helped thousands of women reveal who they are in Christ and shine outwardly with confidence. We're going to start with her story of transformation and learn how God brought this calling to life in her story. And then we're going to cover some super practical tips that we can implement today to elevate our fashion instantly. Here's our chat. Welcome to the Savvy Sauce, Sherry. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to be here. Well, I think that your testimony is absolutely captivating. Will you take us back to your story before you had surrendered your life to Jesus? I was raised in church, but I did not have a personal relationship with Christ. And I didn't realize that you could have a personal relationship with Christ. And so I had grown up in Ohio, moved to Miami, Florida to go to college and just took the same issues with me that I had grown up with. You know how we do. Things don't change much, even when you move out of town. And so I was Working after I graduated college, I'd gotten married and divorced. The guy I married was very abusive in that, I would say more verbally abusive, mentally abusive, told me if I ever tried to leave, he would throw my body into the Everglades. Nobody would find me. And so it was very much a situation where it was, I felt like I was held prisoner. And so ended up getting out of that relationship in the middle of the night, actually, with the help of my sister. But because I didn't have a relationship with God, that personal relationship, I I knew there was a God. I, I went to church every Sunday, but I just didn't know that I could depend on him in a personal way. And so I just went to the next bad relationship and the next bad relationship ended up meeting this guy who you all know who Tom Selleck is, I'm sure. Well, it wasn't him, but he looks like him. So, you know, that beautiful man that you just fall in love with. Well, I met this guy and ended up in this relationship. Unfortunately, he wouldn't take me in public because he said that, well, I didn't know why he wouldn't take me in public. I found out later that I was one of seven girlfriends that he had. And so I tried to leave that relationship and just felt like I couldn't leave the relationship. I was, I thought I was madly in love, ended up finally almost with a nervous breakdown, got out of that relationship and went on to another relationship. And Ended up meeting this guy who was wonderful, just a wonderful, wonderful man. And during that time, we ended up getting married. The problem was he came into our relationship with lots of secrets, lots of 
lies, lots of dishonesty. But I didn't know any of that until we were probably into our fifth year of marriage. And in between, when the time I found out all the stuff that was going on, I was invited to a Bible study by a customer. I worked as a buyer and manager of a cosmetic department. And I went to this Bible study, kicking and screaming, didn't want to go. I went and it was there that I learned about Jesus. It was there that they told me how I could have a personal relationship with Christ. I mean, it was just like this light bulb went on, this light bulb moment that it was just like, whoa, this is what I've been missing. You know, I do, I do believe that we all have this place inside of us that just needs God. It's, it's a hole, but many of us try to fill it in many, many different ways with men, with children, with marriage, with relationships, with friends, with work even. And it wasn't until I knew that, that you could have a personal relationship. I mean, literally it was like this aha moment. And I changed everything. I changed where I went to church. I got a Bible for the first time. They told me where I could get a Bible. I had no idea you could even have a Bible. I didn't have a Bible. It was just this whole, just this 180 that happened. And so I ended up doing volunteer work for the Children's Home Society teen shelter. I I think that's where first I remember going to my Bible study leader and saying to her, I feel like, because I felt like God was impressing on me. I didn't know it was God because I was so new at this, but I didn't know that God would speak to you. I didn't know that he had a plan for you or for each of us. And so I remember when I said to my, my Bible study teacher, I said, I don't know if God talks to you, but I feel like I'm supposed to work with teen girls because it was just this constant thought I kept getting in my head but I didn't know any teen girls. And I didn't even know if I liked teen girls. You know, it was like, I don't know. I knew some people with teen girls and they weren't, you know, the parents were having trouble. And I was like, I don't even know, like, where would I even find teen girls to work with? My Bible study leader that day said, well, wouldn't you know, I just got a letter yesterday from the Children's Home Society's teen shelter and they need volunteers and you'd be perfect. And so with that, she set it up for me. I went and worked at the teen shelter. And I remember the first time I was there, I was scared to death to go because one by one, 19 Haitian girls came out of the the shelter home and kind of looked at me like, what is this big white woman doing here? You know, because I'm just, you know, with my two two big makeup bags because I didn't even know what I was going to do with them. But the Bible, my Bible study leader said, you know, do makeup. That's what you do. That's, you know, makeup, you're in fashion, do that. And so I remember going and I did pitiful makeovers. I just want to say pitiful because I brought all white foundation and they were all Haitian girls with dark skin. And I was pitiful. I started to put the foundation on, wiped it off and just ended up with lipstick. But the girls didn't care. All they asked me at the end was, are you coming back next week? Because we had fun. And that's where I want to encourage women to God has designed each of us with passions and purposes and and a purpose and gifts that only we have, that we can do, that nobody else could do. We all might have the same interests, but we all do it differently. And so I remember I was so in my element. I was just having so much fun. And they said, are you coming back next week? And I didn't know if I was, but I said, yes. And so I went to my Bible study leader and I said, they want me to go back. I don't even know what to do. And they said, this time you're going to give them a Bible study. And I'm like, what? And so my Bible group bought me student Bibles. 
and I took them to them. And, you know, when I look back on this, I am so grateful that these women really followed the Titus to just that the scripture where women help other women and the older women teach the younger women. And that's what they did for me. They took me along. They walked with me. They made those appointments for me at the shelter. They bought the Bibles for me to give to the girls. And so I did a pitiful Bible study that next week because I started with page one of the Bible and nobody does that when you start, you know, teaching the Bible, but the girls didn't care. I was there. And so that relationship with those girls went on for several years and I've, you know, held crack babies and helped girls, you know, get away from drug lords. And it was just this whole thing that I ended up doing. And I, I look back at that time and I think, you know, if I was not obedient to that still small voice that said, you're going to work with teen girls, if I hadn't followed through on that, I, I know I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today because God I believe wanted to see if I would be obedient first in those still small steps. So, you know, I kept doing that. And then one day it was New Year's Eve and my husband and I had been married about five years at this point. And um, the phone rang and getting ready to go out. And my husband got on the phone. I heard him answer. I heard it was his, I could tell he was talking to his mother. Just I'll back up a little during our whole marriage. He, when we came into the marriage, he had told me that he had played in the NFL and was offensive tackle, you know, do, you know, went through the whole thing. But he asked me, please don't ever talk to my parents about it, like his parents. He said, but, you know, you can talk to your family and we can talk, but please don't ever talk to my parents. They've hated that I played football. Please don't ever, just don't bring it up. My mom's to put all the pictures away. And naive as I was, I just didn't ask any questions. And so, this whole time I'm thinking that he had retired from football and he played football. And and if you're listening to this, you have to understand this was years ago when we didn't have the internet. So like we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have ways to check these things out. And so on this new year's Eve, we were getting ready to go out to dinner and the phone rings, he answers the phone and it was his mom. And I heard him like very distressed Because what had happened is my parents had come for a visit to Miami and on their way home, they stopped off at his parents' home. They lived in Palm Beach and they had a conversation and it was, gosh, it's too bad about all of his surgeries. My husband had had some neck surgery and a couple knee surgeries. I guess it's it's from all of his years of playing football. And his parents said, football? He's never played a day of football in his life. Well, conversation ends. My parents leave, you know, eventually, and then his mom gets on a call. What is this all about? That's the night that he had to come in the room and tell me that he actually had never played football, that he was actually involved in the mafia. And that's what he did when he went out of town. And that's the, those are the places that he went. And then when, I mean, I would find cash hidden over around the house and he would say, that's just where he saved his money. I mean, again, naive, let's just talk about that. And so we stayed together for about a year after that things started getting sloppy and dangerous and we ended up i had to get out of town and in the middle of all of that i ended up going back to an ex-boyfriend who was a police officer ended up getting pregnant by him he wanted me i'm going to try to make this short for you he wanted me to get an abortion and i didn't ended up 
moving to North Carolina, single, pregnant, no job, had to leave everything behind mid thirties and had to start all over again, work three jobs, you know, committed my life to Christ again, you know, cause I'd walked away from him for that period, really just walked away. And, you know, I don't know if I walked away as much as ignored him for a while because my life just fell apart and, um, moved back to North Carolina where my family is. And, um, just ended up remarrying and married my my husband. Now we've been married 24 years, but he came to our marriage with not one, not two, but triplet, 12-year-old girls. And so I had lots of experience with those girls in the shelter. And um, I had almost two-year-old son by then. And um, we've been married, you know, quite a while now. The girls are 36. They just turned 36. My son ended up going to West Point and graduated as an officer. So he is currently on deployment in the army. And so, you know, here I am with you today, Laura. (laughs) Sherry, thank you so much for sharing all of that. I think we can all relate with pieces of our own story that God in his grace just could redeem. And looking back, there are a few points that I want to elaborate on. I love how you explained how God was speaking to you and you didn't even know it was his voice at the time. But I remember hearing you previously and there was a very special moment in your life when you were with that ex and after you had become pregnant, you came back to the apartment and God did speak to you that day. Do you remember what he said? Of course. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yes. So I, I was putting on a fashion show for teachers And I had already moved in with this guy and at the time didn't know I was pregnant. I was standing in front of this group of teachers that I was putting on this fashion show for. And it was almost like I wasn't even there because all of a sudden the Lord just, I, I got this overwhelming feeling like, what have I done? I have walked away from God. Oh my word. It was just like this. And I started to cry. The fashion show ended. I remember getting in my car. And I was driving back to his apartment and I said, God, if you are real, you're going to have to do something to get me out of this relationship because I don't even know who I am anymore. But I also don't think I can leave him because I thought I was madly in love with him. And so this was the the police officer that I had gotten involved with years before. And so we're back together. And so I was about to get out of my car. And just like the day that God said I was going to work with teen girls, I heard that voice again. And he said, if you walk through those doors, you will live in darkness. But if you trust me, you'll live in light. Okay, well, I can't make things up like that. And I, it was the clearest, clearest, just like that day. Like, I want you to work with teen girls. I mean, it was like, whoa. So I didn't know what it meant. But I knew that it was an odd thing to hear. Like, and again, it wasn't, it wasn't audible. I heard it in my head. I knew his voice. I turned the car off and I was crying. I mean, I had been crying. I wiped my tears. I went to the door. I put my key in the door. And when I opened up the door, I don't know if the sun went down. I don't know if the lights turned off. I don't know if it was a manifestation like if it was something in my own head or if it was, it it got, but the minute I opened that door, the entire apartment went black. And I knew right then that the Lord showed me that if I stayed in that situation, I would live in darkness. 
It was one of those feelings. You can't even explain it like, okay, sorry, guy, I got to leave because, you know, you're darkness. And I mean, he wasn't a believer. And, but the whole thing is God in his sovereignty, I know stopped for me in that moment and showed me physically darkness. So I, without a doubt, knew that I had to leave. And it was later, and I guess I skipped this whole part of the story. It was later that I found out that I was pregnant after I even broke up with him. And I took a pregnancy test after I had to go to North Carolina and for, I was teaching something else up there with, for a clothing company. And I remember before I got on the plane, you know, I was late and I took a pregnancy test and I thought, oh my goodness, what if I'm pregnant? And I knew my plan was when I get back to Miami, I'm breaking up with him because I literally had to leave that quick after I, God spoke to me and I mean, showed me that darkness. I was within a couple hours getting on a plane to leave. I didn't break up with him then. I was also so in awe that God would speak to me like that, that I couldn't even hardly speak to the guy. I mean, cause he was taking me to the airport and all, but when I took that pregnancy test, it was negative. And I was just like, Oh, so when I got back to Miami, I broke up with him when he picked me up at the airport because I wanted to be obedient. I knew that if I didn't break up with him, then that I truly was stepping outside of God's will. Like, blatant about not walking in God's will. Like when he showed me that darkness, I had to break up with the guy, but the test was negative. So it gave me the courage to do that. But do you know, two weeks later, I took a test because I still hadn't started and it was actually positive. And God, again, in his beautiful grace and just his, oh, his love for me, he made that test negative. I know it was him when I took that first test, because if it was positive, I know I wouldn't have had the courage to break up with him. I mean, the beautiful things that the Lord can do for us when we just open our hearts and say, okay, God, show me. And so when I found out I was pregnant, when it was positive, I remember like it was yesterday, put my head up against the door jam of that bathroom and just bawled and bawled and bawled and cried and cried. And I was like, oh my gosh, here I am divorced twice at that point, And now pregnant with this other guy's baby. I had nothing, no job, n nothing. And so I knew I had to get out of there. And that's when I went back home, ended up living next door to my parents. But, you know, I mean, my whole life had fallen apart at that point. And this is, it is definitely a story of redemption because I ended up having my little boy. And when I went to the baby's father, he did insist that I get an abortion and I had a week to make a decision. And, you know, I went to friends and they're like, yes, you can do it. No, you shouldn't you know, back and forth. And I finally on that last day decided not to go. And, oh, probably now it's probably been eight years or 10 years ago. I was stepping off a stage after sharing my story and somebody came up to me and she said, you know, you mentioned that your son's name is Luke. And I said, yes. And she said, do you know what Luke means? And at the time I didn't. And I said, no, because I mean, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I named him off of Luke Perry off of 90210. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I said, no, I don't. And she said, well, remember when you said you were sitting in the car and God said, if you walk through those doors, you'll live in darkness. But if you trust me, you'll live in light. I said, yeah. She said, Luke means light. And I was like, oh my word. I mean, just everything, how God is even into the planning of our children's names. I mean, just and, and what he can use, he can use anything. And so, yes, thank you for reminding me of that. I, you know, I was trying to shorten the story and I left out the best part. Oh, no, that's incredible to hear because I think it just shows 
how God's word is true, that he truly does delight in every detail of our lives. And now a brief message from our sponsor. Dwell is an audio Bible app our family recently discovered, and now I'm excited to get to share it with you. With loads of inspiring voices, Bible translations, and original background music, you're going to love listening to scripture. Not all of our daughters are old enough to read, so we like to provide them opportunities to listen to the Bible as a way to make it accessible for each of them. I am always amazed at how much sticks with them when they're listening as they run around the playroom or do art together. But something that they've requested is to hear a female reading the Bible, and Dwell has that as one of their options. You actually get to select one of multiple voice options and listen to scripture anytime. And one of the most requested features, a sleep timer, is now available on Dwell. That means you and your family can fall asleep to your favorite books and stories of the Bible without losing your spot or draining your battery. So end your day with God's word in your ears and on your heart. You can even try it tonight. To get started with Dwell, go to dwellapp.io slash savvy to get a 20% discount. That's dwellapp.io slash savvy for 20% off an annual or lifetime subscription. So get it for yourself or gift it for someone you love. Either way, I hope you take your action step today. Another detail that came later for you was eventually intersecting faith and fashion. So what inspired you to intersect those two? My whole life, I have loved fashion. I was the little girl in the second grade photo with the only matching purse and dress. I've loved fashion my whole life. But I also, I wasn't always confident in my appearance. I was always the tallest girl in the class. I remember as a cheerleader in sixth grade or seventh grade, you know, I wore a size 10 shoe when all my friends were wearing size fives and, you know, embarrassed to get the shoes and had my mom go up the next day when everybody else wasn't with us, always trying to, you know, do things kind of like overcompensate for my height. And I think that's where my low confidence came from when it came to men, always just trying to have acceptance in that. But I did have a degree in fashion merchandising or do have one. And um, I love fashion. I had an image consulting firm in Miami, opened up an image consulting firm after a few years of working, you know, as the buyer for the cosmetic department in that store I talked about earlier. But Anyway, I moved to North Carolina. I was remarried at the time. I was probably eh, almost 40. And I was sitting in my chair where I do my daily devotionals and read my Bible. And again, heard the Lord say, I want you to take this message to the church. I was like, huh? And then he said, again, not audible. So if you're listening, don't think I'm a freak. It's just, I know God's voice and what he said in my prayer time. He said, because my daughters don't know that they're beautiful. And it was one of those things. I went to my husband and I was like, oh my gosh, I think I'm supposed to do this and take this message to the church. And he's like, well, then do it. Except that I'm a little slow, Laura. And I prayed about it for seven years before I did it. And so as before, I was a little quicker on that obedience level, but I prayed about it because I just couldn't imagine how in the world can I take this into the church without getting stoned, you know, throwing things at me? Because I thought they're not going to let me in church to talk about outer beauty. And so 
there are a lot of scriptures that I had to do a lot of research on, but I remember the first time I spoke in a church and there were people in the audience that were like, oh my goodness, will you come to our church and do that? And the Lord just lined that up. Then I went to the next one. And I think over 50 speaking engagements that very first year, that was in 2005. So that was 15 years ago. And so been doing fashion and faith ever since. Wow. And so how do you respond when someone scoffs at focusing on outer appearances as a Christian? You know, there are two scriptures that I like to talk about. One is for Samuel 16, 7, where it says that man looks at the outer appearance, but God looks at the heart. All right. Which you would think, whoa, you can't use that scripture because it's contradictory to what you're doing. Except that what we have to realize is that God does look at the heart, but because we live in the world, man looks at the outer appearance. So if we are going to represent God well, we have to learn how to get our inner beauty on the outside. And so you can't just say, oh, I don't care about fashion. We're women. We care about how we look, whether you've been lying to yourself for a long time or not. We care about how we look. Sometimes I do believe, though, that women have gotten to a point where we just say, you know what? I don't care about it because you don't know how to do it, how to put yourself together. And so in that case, that's you know, one of the reasons we have lots of tools and things for that. In fact, our closet outfit planner is amazing for that. It just helps you put together outfits simply. But the second scripture that I like to use is First Peter 3, 3 and 4. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. And so when my book first came out in 2010, Help Me Jesus, I Have Nothing to Wear, Zondervan was my editor, and they did great research on this because they knew we were going to get feedback from this. Like, wait, the Bible says, you know, it shouldn't be, you shouldn't, you know, focus on that. But in doing the study, the NIV study Bible is a really good place to look and kind of dig for this. Basically, what was happening at that time is that Peter was telling these women that their husbands would be won over by their love, not by their looks. And so when women were not Christians yet, they weren't believers in Christ, they were doing up the braided hair. They were doing up the great jewelry because they thought they could win their husbands over. So when you look at that context, when you really do that deep study, he, was, he wasn't he was saying, don't do that. He was trying to instruct them in that that's not the way to win your husbands over. It's by a gentle spirit. It's by your inner beauty. And so after, you know, looking at all of that, it, it didn't say, you know, don't. Those were the clothes of the time. That was the style of the time. And I also think that as Christians, even in today's world, we cannot be relevant to non-believers if we're dressed all shabbily or we, you know, we're just, we don't care about our outer appearance. We wear old fashioned clothes. We have to be relevant to be attractive to people so that they can get to know us 
and then get to know Christ. But because our outer appearance shows up first, we don't walk around naked. We we have to understand that our clothes are an important part of representing Christ well. You shared a lot of great things so far, but I hope that we can individualize this conversation now so that everyone can begin understanding how to apply this knowledge. So what are some practical fashion tips for women of various shapes and sizes? All righty. Here we get to the fun part now, Laura. (laughs) Okay. So first of all, know your colors. Wear colors that make you come to life. Absolutely. Number one, number one. Number two, know your body shape. Where do you gain your weight? I have a four body shape system, B-O-D-X, BODX. B is if you gain in your belly. O is overly endowed if you're, you know, upper body. D is derriere. And X is a balanced figure. All right. So understanding where you gain your weight first and then dressing to that challenge area. So if you gain in your belly, don't wear belts. Wear tops that are a little bit fuller and make sure they're longer than the fullest part of your belly. You don't want it cutting you off, you know, halfway. If you gain in your hips and thighs, flare jeans are going to be better for you because it's going to balance your upper body and it's going to balance your hips. Also, if you gain in your hips and thighs, you probably need a little shoulder pad. I know you don't want to hear that, but you probably need a little bit. Oh, body shape. And for really all body shapes, get a good bra. Make sure that you're wearing a bra that sits that when you have it on, your bust line sits halfway between the top of your shoulder and your elbow, right in between. I wish you could see me. I'm doing all the motions right now. <laughs> and, and then an X body shape is a balanced shape. Typically, an X has shoulders and hips that are the same in width and a smaller waist. But X's make sure that you don't wear clothes that are too sloppy or too tight and know your challenge area. All body shapes should wear the right undergarments, good undergarments. V-necks, typically for all body shapes, except for a D. A V-neck brings the eye to the center of the body and brings the focus up to the face. It also will make you appear thinner. But if you're a D body shape, you gain in your hips and thighs and your derriere, then a scoop neck is better for you because it's going to balance your body. So I could go on and on, but those are just a few tips, Laura. I love those. And on the flip side, then, what are some fashion mistakes that you want to recommend we avoid? Not wearing the correct bra would be big time fashion mistake. How about not wearing a bra would be a big mistake. I think, honestly, wearing colors that make you look sad. We all think we can wear the same color, right? We all go to the store We go with our best friend or we see this outfit on a mannequin and we go, oh, we're both going to get that, right? But it only looks good on one of you and not so much because of style, sometimes because of that, but because of color. We all think we can wear black and probably 33% of you who are listening to this right now shouldn't be wearing black because it makes you look older, it wears you down, and it can make you look, I like to say the word inexpensive. And I do mean it by inexpensive, like you just didn't take care with yourself. Black can be great on some people, but it's not great on many people. And so knowing color. I also think fashion mistakes are if you if your sleeves are too long, 
you know, if you, if you push your sleeves up, if your sleeves are too long, or even if they're not, push your sleeves up to three quarter length and it brings the eye to your, where your waist is and actually helps you look like you create a waist and also makes you look like you've lost 10 pounds. So, you know, when it comes to accessorizing, I think women mostly don't accessorize enough or you wear too small of accessories. Don't be afraid to accessorize, get a nice statement necklace, you know, some bigger earrings. Yeah, those are a few for you. Those are great. And because we're practical chats for intentional living, will you just download any other practical tips you have as it relates to fashion? Well, I do think that you need to know what is going on in the industry. Now, you don't have to look that up because you can depend on me to give that to you. So that that works like how we have it all set up in the closet outfit planner. So you don't have to like, oh, what are the trends? But know if you're not going to do something like that, then also be aware of what's on the in the market. So if tiny florals just isn't in, don't pull out your tiny florals from 10 years ago and wear them. One of my best fashion tips, oh, I almost forgot to tell you this. One of my best fashion tips is if you're only going to have one handbag, match your hair. Because when you match your hair color, you will always look put together, believe it or not. You can have on all kinds of stuff, crazy colors, everything, and maybe spend a little more money on your handbag than you would normally. And don't wear the same handbag for 10 years, you know, because it's out of style. And so, you know, be relevant, maybe get a new handbag every two years, at least get something that, you know, is a little trendy or a little fashionable or go, go classic, but make sure it's the right size and that it goes to your proportion. And there's, I could talk all day, you know, that Laura, there's my system that I call the star style system. So if you're under five, two and a half, you're a glamour girl. So you want to go smaller with your things, your prints, your handbags, your jewelry. If you're between five, three and five, seven and a half, I call you a movie star. So you want to go more medium size, all of those things. And then if you're five, eight or over, you're a rock star. So the bigger, the better. So make sure that you're in proportion. So somebody who's 5'11 isn't going to be carrying a tiny handbag because you're going to overpower that. Same thing. If you're tiny and you carry a big bag, it overpowers you. So we don't see you. We only see the bag. Thanks to our friend, Joy, the SavvySauce.com has been completely updated. And if you follow the Savvy Sauce on social media, you're already aware that we launched a new tab on January 1st titled Articles. I hope you check out these new Savvy Snacks, which are articles full of quick tips for intentional living. Check out these articles today or join our email list to have them directly delivered to your inbox. Enjoy! What about as women's bodies change, we're going to go through different seasons of pregnancy and nursing and menopause. Does our look need to change through those times? I don't think our look needs to change. I think, first of all, I would recommend that every single one of you who are listening, go stand in front of a mirror today and say, thank you, God, for making me so beautiful because he did. I think oftentimes you start to bully yourself while you're going through different changes in life. And so while you're pregnant or after you've had the baby and then you've got the extra weight or after you're done nursing or while you're nursing and you're fuller on one side, or then you go through all of that. Now you're in menopause and bodies change. 
here's what we have to understand. Our bodies are going to change. Our bodies are not perfect. Only God is perfect. Embrace your body. Don't fret over it. And understand there are ways to dress that can camouflage that, that is going to make you look beautiful. Get a shaper if you need to. You can get Spanx. Sarah Blakely, who who designed Spanx, invented Spanx, also has a line called Assets that you can get in that's much less price, you know, much lower price. You can get in places like Target. Probably department stores have the Spanx Assets. You can get like it like say a Target or maybe a Kohl's or something like that. But get a good shaper, a cami shaper or an underwear that's just a little bit higher. And then just maybe you need to go up a size in your clothes. And gals, don't fret over that. Nobody knows what size you're wearing unless you tell them. And I always like to advise women, just cut the tag out of the back of your shirt because then you won't remember what size it is either. And I often say I'm a size, I'm typically a size 14. That's pretty much my size. Sometimes 16, hardly ever 12. I'm 5'11". I'm, you know, a, a larger frame. But I often say sometimes I just cut half the tag out so I can be a a four instead of a 14. And then, you know, the one goes. So if that, if that serves you ladies, go ahead and do that. <laughs> but, you know, just, just embrace the way God made you. And if I may say this as well, those of you who are moms to girls and, you know, it's for moms and boys too, but, but girls really kind of fit this. I think more, you beat yourself up, you bully yourself. You look in the mirror. I hate the way I look. I hate my nose. I hate my hair. I hate my whatever. And your girls are here and you say this, Okay, don't think they're not. And then somebody says to your daughter, you look just like your mama. And then your daughter thinks she's not pretty either because mom's not pretty and I look just like her. So I must not be either. Ladies, stop it. You've got to change your words. You've got to change what you say because Our daughters believe those words when they hear it from you, and then you're transferring that right on to them. And so I would say if nothing else out of this podcast today that you get out of it, just stop and say, okay, I'm going to change that vocabulary because it's going to get passed on to the next generation and the next generation and so on and so forth. And I think that's such a big topic. I do want to pause here. So as a parent, I personally have four daughters who are really young, and I'm sure others listening have daughters as well. So how can we encourage them in their beauty and encourage them to adorn themselves in dignity? First of all, use encouraging words. Absolutely. So build them up, build them up, build them up. And don't take it like where you're constantly just talking about their outer beauty. When you give somebody a compliment, then also give them a compliment on a quality that they have. Your hair is so beautiful today. And I love the way that you help your little sister. I saw you today. I saw you help her up on the steps. You know, always complimenting, not just the outer, but pulling in that inner beauty quality as well. But also dressing with dignity 
in a world of raising girls today, teens, it's hard, especially coming into spring and summer where bathing suit season and short shorts are out and halter tops and the little, you know, bralettes and all of those things. You've got to have some hard and fast rules in your house that you just say, you know, we just don't do that here. And you just have to not do that here. Now, keep in mind, they may go to their friend's house and change, but just know too that their clothes, it's not a battle that I would really dig into. I would use the five B's. I have a five B method that I talk about. No bra straps. Okay. So no bra straps showing, no bralettes showing. They're an undergarment. They're not an outer garment, no bust line. So no cleavage, making sure none of that, no bellies. So you know what? Raise your arms. If your belly comes up, guess what? You won't get to wear it. No bottoms, which means I mean, we want them to wear bottoms, but it's just a reminder, a little term for no, no, nothing written on their bottom, you know, no pink, no, you know, nothing written. And if they bend over their, their bottoms aren't hanging out. And then the fifth one is no bubbling. And that just means that their clothes aren't too tight and your clothes aren't too tight where you've got lots of little ridges, what I call bubbling in it, where they're, it's just so tight, skin tight. And so talk about those at home. Just, you know, maybe it's a dinner conversation one night with dad even, you know, when dad's involved, it's way better. And those of you who are listening who don't have, you know, husband involved or a dad involved, then it's okay. You can do this. You can do this, but it's just conversation. It's talking about it not feeling like you can't because you don't want lashback, but start them young talking about it. But again, it's not something to fight over because honestly, dressing is a way that they're going to express themselves and you should be more concerned about their character than their clothes. Build them up in their character. I see how great you were with, you know, just really building them up. And I think that the clothing battle kind of fizzles out. And I think some of that ties into what we were discussing previously, that maybe they'll take our voice as a parent more seriously if they respect the way we dress. And like you said, making that effort to be relevant. And I'm sure not going to either extreme, not trying to dress like a teenager as a parent and not trying to be super sloppy. But then when we're putting it back to ourselves, like especially speaking to the woman here, whether she's a mom or not, what tips do you have for us to refresh our closets or pep up our outer appearance to reflect the light that we have on the inside? Wear lipstick. I think lipstick helps. It kind of brightens your face. Have a good haircut. Make sure that it's not sloppy. And honestly, accessorizing. I think that makes a big difference in just adding one or two pieces that you maybe wouldn't have thought about before and just make sure your clothes fit, fit well, you know, have a good pair of jeans and maybe a, a nice layering piece, maybe a blazer and a graphic tee that has you know, scripture on it or something. I think it will help you feel better about yourself, but just have some go-to outfits that you know that you can grab and that you look great in. So if we could only make one fashion upgrade today, Sherry, where would you recommend that we begin? Wow, that's a toughie. I would say begin by knowing what colors look good on you. Go take the free color test. That's number one, because you can then weed out of your closet the things that don't look good, that aren't your colors, and it helps you know what you have in there and what to focus on. 
Okay, and just circling back, when you were talking about black being the color that's not for everyone, could you describe the person who that's probably the worst color for them to wear? (laughs) Okay, are you ladies ready? (laughs) All right. It would be somebody who you might describe your hair as dishwater blonde or mousy brown. You probably have fair to medium skin and a medium color eye, maybe a green eye, light brown, or even a a medium blue eye. And so you're the one that's always described your hair that way. I have dishwater blonde hair, probably you. You don't have a lot of contrast level between your hair and your skin. They're almost the same color. There are soft gals. In my color system, I go by light, deep, soft, clear, warm, or cool. And these are the gals who are in the soft category. Well, Sherry, this time has been incredibly practical and beneficial. So where can listeners find you online or learn more about your resources? Fashionmeetsfaith.com or my YouTube channel, which is Style Tips with Sherry, S-H-A-R-I. And you can find all of those at fashionmeetsfaith.com. But for sure, the Closet Outfit Planner, and that's closetoutfitplanner.com. Wonderful. You may be aware that we're called the Savvy Sauce because savvy is synonymous with practical knowledge or discernment. And we want to know how to apply some beneficial best practices from your life. So Sherry, as my final question for you today, what is your Savvy Sauce? That's a tough question, but it's such a great question, Laura. My savvy sauce would be the gift of encouragement. I love that. That makes so much sense because you are fun, upbeat, and just a picture of joy. So thank you for sharing all of your tips with us today. I appreciate having you as my guest. I loved being here. Thank you so much, Laura. One more thing before you go. Have you heard the term gospel before? It simply means good news, and I want to share the best news with you. But it starts with the bad news. Every single one of us were born sinners, and God is perfect and holy, so He cannot be in the presence of sin. Therefore, we're separated from Him. This means there's absolutely no chance we can make it to heaven on our own. So for you and for me, it means we deserve death, and we can never pay back the sacrifice we owe to be saved. We need a Savior. But God loved us so much, He made a way for His only Son to willingly die in our place as the perfect substitute. This gives us hope of life forever in right relationship with Him. That is good news. Jesus lived the perfect life we could never live and died in our place for our sin. This was God's plan to make a way to reconcile with us so that God can look at us and see Jesus. We can be covered and justified through the work Jesus finished, if we choose to receive what he has done for us. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to take our place. I pray someone today, right now, is touched and chooses to turn their life over to you. Will you clearly guide them and help them take their next step in faith to declare you as Lord of their life? 
We trust you to work and change the lives now for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are declaring him for me, so me for him. You get the opportunity to live your life for him. At this podcast, we are called Savvy for a reason. We want to give you practical tools to implement the knowledge you have learned. So you're ready to get started? First, tell someone. Say it out loud. Get a Bible. The first day I made this decision, my parents took me to Barnes & Noble to get the Quest NIV Bible, and I love it. Start by reading the book of John. Get connected locally, which basically means just tell someone who is part of the church in your community that you made a decision to follow Christ. I'm assuming they will be thrilled to talk with you about further steps, such as going to church and getting connected to other believers to encourage you. We want to celebrate with you too, so feel free to leave a comment for us if you made a decision for Christ. We also have show notes included where you can read scripture that describes this process. Finally, be encouraged. Luke 15.10 says, In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The heavens are praising with you for your decision today. If you've already received this good news, I pray that you have someone else to share it with today. You are loved, and I look forward to meeting you here next time.